reporting live from the Canada Day Epitaph Parade. Uh -huh. <laughs> they just keep coming. This is why I brought a bag. I just... I hate pockets. Yeah, pockets suck. They really do. I feel so burdened. <laughs> at, at a certain point, I'll have to stop and unload. Exactly. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Uh, Hi. Uh, unload your burden. What all? What do you have in that backpack? Oh, the backpack just like closed. I oh. anticipate getting wet. Yeah, I think it's gonna happen. Um, I hope but, this uh, is waterproof. <laughs> but yeah, just like the wallet and the fucking keys in the pockets all day. Oh yeah. That's like one of the main burdens of my life. Just keys in the pocket? Making sure that these are on me at all times. Fucking keys falling apart and shit. Oh, so annoying. I was shooting news all last week, so I bought a vest. Like it's a fishing vest with a million pockets. Oh yeah. It made life harder. <laughs> it's like, I can feel everything, but I can't find what pocket it's in. Yeah. Yeah, because the, like the opening of the pocket isn't where the thing is. Exactly. You're just looking yeah, and it's yeah. like refracting, like you're yeah, trying exactly. to catch fish in 100% water. I can see its shape and it's like... Just at a press conference swearing for a minute. Yeah. Fuck, 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 fuck. I was praying for Matthew McConaughey to like poke his hand through your pocket and give <laughs> the thing that you need to you. Here you go, partner. You know... I'm not a vest man, but... Heckled. I don't even know what that would be. Just some demon that lives in your clothing. It'd be the worst. Some kind of a goblin. You know, vests were kind of gay where I come from. Yeah. We seen a man in a vest. We we had a couple preconceived notions. Tell you what. I could have guessed. Fly our own flag uh, <laughs> on the day of the dude, birth of our country, dude. That guy has alternatingly had like he had a Rough Riders flag for a few years. Oh, did he? It's like so. That's just you're just looking for trouble, apparently. Like I could see that maybe he is Ukrainian. That wouldn't be fair out of the question. But, I mean, <laughs> you get to celebrate that flag because of like <laughs> the money laundering from countries like Canada. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's the weirdest fucking virtue signaling time. I saw a van roll by my house the other day with the pride flag, the trans flag, and the Ukraine flag all flying. <laughs> I was like, throw the Oilers flag on there and just round it out so it's symmetrical. That has been a problem in my life, is dressing wrong for the weather. <laughs> yeah, same here. Just out in February in shorts, because you saw the sun. Like, right. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, oh, the sun. Yeah. Short, 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 short. <laughs> Falling into the snow by the river in shorts. <laughs> what have I done? It's very fun. Hi. 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 <laughs> That's his job. 
And that was the reason that I ultimately ended up quitting smoking weed was overdressing for a hike oh. and getting hot and frazzled. Right. And then walking on the ice in April <laughs> and going down, going to the water up to my nipples. Oh, fuck. And being like, well, I think you're done. It was the weed that did it. I'll blame I, the weed, man. I can certainly see how you can get in that fucking frazzled state. Oh, yeah. And you're wearing a goddamn sweater and like, you're wearing a winter jacket and like plus two and, and just clear as a bell, just fucking cooking inside your insulated po pocket of a jacket. Yeah, but you, you executed the hoots just perfectly that day. Oh yeah, I was high. <laughs> and then just like seeing some people and having to avoid them because of that whole thing. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're just like writing a journal entry, crucifying yourself. So I woke up this morning to a Mexican knocking on my door. Okay. I couldn't tell how loud. It seemed like he was knocking very quietly, like just being really polite about it. Senor. But it really read as creepy. Yeah. No doubt. Because he was like knocking constantly. Okay. And I think he got the wrong apartment because the landlord's on the other side of the hallway. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I opened the door like, just bleary-eyed. I put on the pant, like I... I got face. to the door and I was putting on my pajamas. Wow. And it's like just completely out of it. That's epic. I just opened the door. I was like, oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Disculpe. <laughs> so, what time was this? Like 7, 8 in the morning? Yeah, 7.30. Okay. Roughly. On your day off, of course. Yeah. No peace. No peace. No peace I find. <laughs> Remember how atavistic it was? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Real long. Or how simple it was back in the day when you could just do this much <laughs> and then uh, sit here and just obliterate yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking just crawl up foothill. <laughs> and drive home. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are departing on a three hour voyage <laughs> through our minds and. We have to walk miles to get that same kind of. Just basic satisfaction. Yeah, pretty much. Basic satisfaction. Simpler times back then, man. Yeah. Well, may as well. No mosquitoes, that's nice. So far, yeah. All it takes is a light breeze and they just, they can't fly. Yeah. Pieces of shit. <laughs> Maybe they should be pointing the wind farms at the city. There you go. You can just power it with 
homeless people. <laughs> that fucking corpse bulldozer thing you oh, shot. Yeah. <laughs> Just it's the jiggling of the body as it goes up the ramp that's so disturbing. Because <laughs> they're all, yeah, they're using some kind of lifelike silicone dummy. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a dance crew to recreate that. <laughs> the corpse jiggle. And it's funny because like two weeks ago, Tim Dillon did that bit about throwing homeless people in the pot. Yeah. And it's like he, basically that's actually happening. Yeah. Like we're not that far. You going in the pot? <laughs> It doesn't even have to be centralized, they can just do it. Right. They already have mobile options. Right. There's an app being developed so some guy can work from home. Yeah. Oh, I'll just send, I'll send a drone out and we'll take care of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, he died suddenly. <laughs> and then we just, there was a knock at the door and it was a Boston robot or a Boston Dynamics fucking bulldozer dog so we just we just put him on the floor and it just <laughs> slurped him up <laughs> now did that device also incinerate the corpse yeah apparently that's so fucked you have to ask yourself why that would exist <laughs> yeah I'm just so dis disturbed at how dialed in it was <laughs> yeah, it was well made. <laughs> That's a problem. Like, they've been working on it. Yeah. That wasn't the first draft. <laughs> no. No, that was like patent pending. We're pretty well ready. Ready for market. Yeah. I'll invest in that company. Absolutely. You gotta invest in in what's gonna be booming in the next twenty years. Yeah. so funny because that's exactly what downtown smells like. Just rough, but you just get used to it. Right. <laughs> just pee. Run off and pee. Yeah. Do you notice the difference when there's a huge rainfall? Yeah. And then the water that comes out of your shower tap is just leaves that deposit? <laughs> I do not experience that. Oh fuck, it's bizarre, man. Like, my shower looks like it's just, like it's mineral deposit, right? Right, yeah. Like everything is just coated in white dust. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably good for my fucking endocrine system. <laughs> That's what it's doing to your pineal gland. Yeah. It's bleaching it. Totally. Taking all the colors out. I think. Because every, I mean, I was really struggling to sleep well. And then I started taking a melatonin supplement and it was just life turned around. No, oh, really? Yeah. Never worked for me. No? My yeah. sleep issues were always psychological. Ah. Uh, 
right? Just That's good. Are you able to dream? I definitely, but not with the kind of intensity I'd like still, but it's coming, right? I think. Do you journal? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it, it helps it. It builds up, you get like breakthroughs. It's like any other skill. Right. She's running a lot faster than I expected to. Use it with that shape. It's an animal. <laughs> that was really nice. <laughs> you don't see a lot of them in this town. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so you think journaling the dream would, would be the, the move? Like whatever I can remember? Yeah, well, you'll find out that it's more than one dream every night, and then mm -hmm. you get to you know, refine your writing skills. Gotcha. Your recall skills, and it just helps you extend your long-term memory. Okay, because I journal the, like, the activities of the day, but... Right. Uh, yeah, that's... You, you don't keep a journal by your bed and like wake up and do it in the middle of the night, do you? No, I just do it when I wake up. I don't worry too much about catching every detail anymore. I have a lot. I've been doing it for years now. Mm -hmm. Three that's years, awesome. four years. I think that's okay. Because I keep that perpetual journal, just in Notes app, so I have every day, and just every every day I'll just hit enter a bunch of times okay. and knock the next or the previous year's day journal down oh, okay, okay. the year and then start a new one. Do that every morning. I've, yeah, I've been doing that for three, four years now. Yeah. So I'll usually the first thing I do is write down the dream there, and then whatever else. For the last couple of years, I've just been weighing myself every day. Oh yeah. So I have three or four years of weights. You should uh, take your weight. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter, but like then plug it into Excel and make it spit out like a line graph. Yeah, I, I look forward to doing that. That'd be pretty cool. That's what it, you have to be disciplined if you're going to do rec record keeping like that, or it's it can give you like a false sense of what's actually happening. Yeah, and you can also just assume that you've done it a lot and then <laughs> become one of those people who says, "Well, I do this." And yeah. Then you get yourself in a conversation with somebody who's been, like been doing it since they were a child and like went to school for it and now teaches it. <laughs> and like, oh fuck, oh fuck. But with journals, like, it's not like that other person has all of your information for your life, right? So that is true. <laughs> journals are a completely personal thing that I think is worth keeping. Oh, 100%. In any state. That's why you always have to laugh when you come across some guru telling you, like, how to journal. Right. Literally just, this is how I journal. Yeah, like, all those bullet journal people who, like, the bullet journals have, like change their life and they like make graphs and charts in their bullet journals. Have right. you seen those things? No, I haven't seen that. Bullet like multiple journal? pen colors and shit. No. I don't I don't organize their life. <laughs> I do a little bit of color coding in the planning side of things, but it's just to really it's just to visually see if one week is overloaded with too much of any one thing. Yeah, well, I think that's a separate thing. That's yeah. like scheduling. Right. That's the, kind of the... F I was looking at it like uh, on the, the continuum of time. It's like journaling is you're kind of in the past, right? And then like scheduling, you're in the future. Yeah. 
in theory, you do enough of that and you have more time to be present in the present, if that's possible. Yeah. I, I don't really worry about organizing my life around the journal. That's good. I just use it as a bank. Right. It's just strictly ideas. Whenever I put like real life stuff in it, it <laughs> feels like I've wasted my time. Right. Because I already did it. <laughs> that's a fair point. Then I drove to work. Yeah. I got mad. I got sad. But yeah, yeah a, a long time ago I realized that music is what I was doing when I was right. like, translating my life, so I mm. stopped journaling. And just started doing it through music. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, and that Sometimes I'll just go days without, uh, without anything, but right. not very often. That's usually only when I'm really tired. I well, it's all got to come out, or it comes out in weird, uncontrollable ways. <laughs> well, it comes out socially for most people, I think. That is true. That's 100% true. That's really. the, the old taking a dump on someone's desk and leaving, you know? Yeah. Well, my husband, it's like, oh, <laughs> do not. Yeah, it's funny, like, how much... If that person had a journal, how much their life would improve? Oh, yeah, they just wrote down their thoughts. Yeah. And just <laughs> be humbled by them, like, right. just how basic they are. Right. But they feel so much. They, right. And then especially if you show anybody that, then it's just like, oh yeah, fucking journal. Everybody, everybody does this. Yeah, everybody sure should. One way or another, and then you get gayered by the thought that you're not some like god prophet. <laughs> and eventually come back around that you're the god prophet of your own life. That's the cycle. Yeah, that's great, man. But too many people on... Well, I also don't like this, this too many people or other people fallacy, but like, you can get caught at the first end of the, the front end of the bell curve. And stop uh, you there. That fallacy is the lifeblood of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the other people... Put some, put some respect on us <laughs> judging other people. Fair. <laughs> Fair. I was going to ask you, too, if you ever felt a, a sense of superiority from all the digging, and it's like, look at this mess that I'm a, at least not a part of. No, I feel I feel inadequate and I feel profligate because I don't mm. have, like, an equal weighting of, like, uh, I guess, dedication. Because most of the stuff I'm putting, like, it was somebody's idea that turned into that. Like, a lot of things are very consequential in these times. So it's like... I have like whatever influence I have in my job or whatever in my life, but it's not nearly as much as I'd like it to be. Mm -hmm. And I feel like whatever opportunities I have to do that with the skill set I have, I should be putting that forth more. And I guess mm -hmm. I just assume that evidence of doing well at that is to to have it be in somewhat of a, a scale that's beyond just the personal level. Um, yep. But it's very hard to quantify that because we don't really have language for it. And that's what makes music uh, appealing to me because it's just an imaginary portion of time that then you cut up and people perceive as like whole different experiences mm. from second by second and between different people. And then if you can write it in such a way that it appeals to more people then you can kind of create a mass effect. But that's not always what you want. <laughs> I certainly think there's some, some songs that work live better than they do recorded and vice mm. versa. 
Um, so I'm really interested in that that kind of thing because I think live and contrived um, productions kind of should be separated and they could maybe yes. develop better. Um, just to, as an example, I've never been satisfied with the audio mixing and engineering for like live TV. It just mm. never works for me. It doesn't translate. I don't feel like it does many people a service. Live TV is like even talk shows. You're talking more like musical. No, I mean, like, yeah. who cares what dialogue <laughs> you can hear? What people say, it's fine. Um, but like a band, sometimes it doesn't translate the same way. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And YouTube has kind of changed that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Um, because it doesn't have to be formatted like TV, where they like fake that you're in the room or whatever. Right. It's kind of the mix between film and, uh, mm -hmm. and like a personal live experience. But it kind of, yeah, it kind of takes away from the having fans in the room aspect, which I think certain music benefits from, like certainly rock music came from small venues. Right. And you want some of that, but um, it's just a matter of whether or not the art is advancing. Because uh, kind of, the same thing happened to blues and R&B, like they kind of mm -hmm. just died out. Right. Because they were just making the same songs that worked. <laughs> and then it went around the globe and then it came back again. And then usually by that time, it was played out. Yeah. And everybody knows what to expect. There's no new tricks. Right. Yeah, that's... It's an interesting that it seems to always come back to music when we're, when we're talking about like that loop from the personal through and back around yeah I guess I don't know it might happen with other things <laughs> I mean it, it might but there's something about music because there's no visual component and there's like the time element like film has the time element but like film is just so insistent upon its own reality yeah well maybe TikTok is changing that because it's a really short mm -hmm. format it's true and you can like it's short enough that you can picture it and you can make the scene in your mind mm -hmm. efficiently whereas like films with big scenes and big sets you're like right. you're competing with real life in that in that way you're like when I remember this I'll remember this but this is right. quite a lot of bandwidth to, <laughs> to pull up in a memory interesting you're doing it in fucking 4k for uh, a scene that encompasses like many cuts and different perspectives and all that stuff and a lot of story might not stick as well. Right, whereas TikTok just kind of hits you and then invites you to just react to it immediately. Yeah, ugly person, too close to the screen, <laughs> saying words, the words are on the screen. <laughs> That's essentially the, uh, the aesthetic of the reels I've been cutting from the podcast. My face with the text on top of it, what do you think? Fuck you. All right. Moving on. That's the standard now. Yeah. That's what works. It is. You gotta. Someone's gonna turn it into art, and that'll be the next uh, <laughs> next thing to move us forward. Well, there is a lot of, I mean, artistic vertical video that you've come across. But I don't artistic know. is like, it fits the idiom of art. Well, or I mean, artistic art like, it's gonna. It's going to be preserved for the next thousand mm, years. Well, definitely not that. It fits the idiom is more. But at least, I mean, you can see the amount of craftsmanship or time that went into it, at least. 
Right. Which is the idiom. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the pedagogical um, trade aspect of art. Right. It's that someone expressed. Yeah. Which is, (laughs) it's just fancy record keep. Gay record keep. (laughs) That is kind of a good point. (laughs) I've been trying to make this point from the very first episode. Because there's something out there, well, I guess the dregs of your YouTubes and your video mm-hmm. platforms and film schools and all that stuff, they're just completely defying every standard and they have a lot right. more artistic merit than something that would fit onto a programming block. Right. But that seems to be the least accepted by um, the video world. Right. Well, and the audiences, I guess. Because unless you're looking at stuff that friends and family made then you're just watching something from the media usually which is produced and has broadcast standards and all that stuff so i don't know maybe smartphones will do it well i don't know i think smartphones took us further in, into the what you were just saying about fancy record keeping it's just an opportunity for more people to just produce more shit yeah i guess yeah maybe it is because music is so abstract and we don't have language for it. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's it. Is there's the language is taken away from it. Everything else is just noise with people talking. And there's plenty of shitty music where the where the language is privileged beyond the music. Right. But, you know, it's. Imagine that. Sometimes I think I'd be into having kids, and then I, sometimes I see some shit, and it just makes me go, I, oh my god, I could never. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to take the whole seed into consideration and see how much of that you'd be willing to sign up for. Mm-hmm. And I think something must fundamentally change, like brain chemistry-wise. Yeah. Where I you don't, don't, any of that shitty shit is not really that shitty. Yeah, I also find it difficult, like, because I don't have any examples that look like how I would be, mm. that, like act like me. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. And I guess like the, the job I do is kind of similar to that where you kind of get to see how people deal mm. with other people. Yeah. And I certainly haven't seen many examples that I'd like to <laughs> uh, dedicate my life to or <laughs> um, try to project myself onto or anything. I don't, I don't find watching it interesting and I, or um, it doesn't make me hopeful. Right. Yeah, I know, it's got to be a, a, well, like what we're talking about, it's got to be a completely personal experience, I guess, or when you're raising the fucking kid. Yeah, I think so. You can't base it on what, yeah. I think for most people, I think for all, like, not heroes, not fucking special snowflake angels, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just, you you need to have your own kids, and that'll be the best way you can express yourself in the nurturing role. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's certainly sold to people that we're supposed to take care of everything yeah and everybody you're supposed to care about everybody and equal weighting to everything else but it never happens in practice people look after themselves yeah <laughs> primarily like i did have an experience last weekend where i understood how someone could get swept up in a wave of compassion and become like a you know an activist yeah 
because so much trauma comes from the family experience for most people that like having kids would never look like the everything but would look like the answer right exerting nihilistic about the world right yeah i don't know i think a lot of those people never get to see their parents as just people yeah they're always parents and yeah the role isn't perpetual it has a whole lot of handoffs that are supposed to happen <laughs> but no very few people can be expected to fucking stick the landing on handing off responsibility no. to a child yeah that's that's a wild one that's probably it too i feel like i got pretty lucky in that there was it took a little longer but it seems to have happened now like when i go over it's just like it's like three adults right talking about stuff and can be open about the choices and not have to be shamed into doing one thing or the other. Yeah, or or to be like looking for validation. Mmm. Ah, probably still some of that when I do a little song and dance bit. Mummy and daddy are watching. Here I go. Here I go. <laughs> I mean, it's your it's your express privilege to do that. It is. Fuck. Nobody else will listen. <laughs> <laughs> like, it makes me think about all those, uh, like, actor types and how their right. dynamic must be with their parents. Oh, fuck. They just became just absolute aces at something that nobody would care about. It doesn't <laughs> get taught really anymore. Right. You you make you yeah you wonder like are the parents that extra and extroverted too and then yeah. they <laughs> or are the parents just like yeah like pinching their fucking bridge of their nose the whole time oh, <laughs> fuck yes honey <laughs> I just tried to think of like something that a young person would be obsessed with and imitating these days and I, I just came up blank. I have no idea. I don't know the names. Yeah, no idea. Billy Eilish? <laughs> Billy Eilish? Is that a thing? <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, like, are people still making movies? Well, TikTok dances. We're, that might even have passed. You know, Because it can't be this YouTube generation of Zoomers who just have talk shows. No. Because that was always going to happen and that's just establishment. Can you imagine? <laughs> if they just dive right into like the Oprah Ricky Lake program <laughs> and it's just YouTubers. We're here on the Jaden Braden Caden show. <laughs> Three non-binary triplets, Jaden, Braden, and Caden. Just know nothings. They don't even have to be journalists anymore. Quote journalists. <laughs> there are five articles in a local publication. Wow. Yeah, or like a fucking listicle. <laughs> and the picture of them at a desk biting on the end of their glasses. Oh, God. In front of a piece of paper. Journalist. Journalist. That's one thing that you have to, like, reckon with, is dealing with what the past generations fell for. Oh, it's... In, like, in hindsight. It is wild. It really <laughs> is wild. It really is. You know. I... I know, and... I, 
not only that it was fallen for, but then it, it continues to be fallen for. Yeah. Even now with so much that's been exposed. We're getting to the point where it's going to be all they have pretty soon. Because everything's like moved on. Well, fuck, it's like... Even when like journalists are jumping like rats from their own publications, it's like it's still yeah. not enough to... Telling on each other. And very funny. Dude's a fucking... Uh, I, I, I think because I've been at, I was editing something and it looked nice out, but I was in the office and you sent me all that stuff from like David Staples about Cooley Arvey. Oh yeah. I just came unglued. <laughs> Fuck this kid. <laughs> I, ga I geared myself for a moment, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of sense it. I wasn't too sure. I got so much smoke for that too. Oh, it's, ugh. Yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate. It's almost like a symbol of, of everything else in the country. It's with one hockey team. Right, just putting it all on one guy's back. Grown men, grown men arguing about children. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> because they lost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was one of the early kind of like breakthrough into seeing how cultural programming works was like sports broadcasting. I was right. like, well, wait a minute. None of this matters. But these guys are working so hard at talking about like a game. <laughs> and as you're thinking out loud about it, an ad comes on and just like completely drowns out your thought process. <laughs> right. And to be a sports betting ad, you know? Yeah. Sports betting, alcohol, bacon. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and consume. You start with like a soliloquy and you end up with just, oh, 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 <laughs> feelings. Just getting food pouring just rammed in your eyes. I got a gig doing a, a commercial for a Mercedes dealership in yeah. town that I'm pretty stoked about. I'm just going to go like full normie nice. with, with some cinematic flair, but the GM was just bullshitting. He's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe she's got a dog. Maybe they go for ice cream. I was like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Petting a dog and eating ice cream. We want to equate that with driving a Mercedes Benz. Right. <laughs> I love you. Now let me take it from here. <laughs> Are you gonna do the like? You gonna do the the Top Gear style drone <laughs> shot and fucking? Yeah. Hooking up the camera on the car type of thing. You know, I think we're going to try to do what they call poor man's process, where we have the car in a studio and we project footage behind it. Oh, okay. Because we're going to do a little bit of real driving, but that always equates to me hanging out of the bed of a pickup truck, and it's like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> I've done that enough. So we'll do a little bit of that, but... The beauty about a commercial is that it's 30 seconds and that no shot has to really linger for any longer than two seconds. Right. So you can do some wild shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you need any inspiration for just wild shit to do, please look no further than the fucking Korean pop industry. Oh, yeah. All those people who Fuck. make, like, the whole K-pop industry is to push models into sponsorship gigs. Okay. That's where they make all their money. 
that's why you, you always see them in the highest fashion because they're sold to like be models right but they sing and dance also so that whole industry which is the size of any one of the big like the major label music um uh conglomerates in the west um they just push those slaves <laughs> to fucking <laughs> represent so in terms of like the compositions of their videos it's always just like eye candy after eye candy mm. after eye candy after eye candy i might have to dive in on that what big on uh zooming in every shot either in or out the zoom is huge every cut <laughs> every cut is into a zoom fucking speed ramps oh speed ramps fucking cut into oh, yeah. a zoom that speed ramps <laughs> right it, like it's like you could see how it like literally captures a person's visual field that way yeah they can't like intercutting like textures in between things yes. to make it seem all like flashy like burning burning paper or whatever is one of the main the famous ones or the like the simpty test screen shit really depending on the moods you want to oh, okay. convey and all that stuff yeah it's very interesting it looks like something that would like kill me music is hard enough to like deal with editing but another practice of editing would probably just just run my show and i just turn into a fucking just a computer spaz pretty much just unable to communicate because everything needs to be fucking uh edited to the frame yeah to the frame it needs to be perfect and there are times when you're cutting video and you're like do i want to cut it here click ahead one frame or here right <laughs> and then you watch it back and you you're like oh no that's fine and then you watch it again no gotta cut it one frame more right like music is crazy because you're doing like thousands of a second sure and you can get really in the in the reads with that but i feel like it, it gets so fine that you can't really like 400 or 44,000 kilohertz is right. <laughs> way faster than human perception but with this with one in 24 or whatever yeah frame rate you're working with that's uh it's perfectly manageable but it then is. you have to scramble the jets if something really goes wrong <laughs> Right, a frame here or there is perceivable. That's why when I when I did Arsh's video, I did a lot of like multiple exposure stuff. Right. It's the same idea, but it was more in the '90s vein. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely lots of superimposition. Yeah. In the '90s, so it worked. They've kind of used it as like a hook for transitions now. Seems to be the mm. the way that they do it. So, for example, if you're transitioning in a music video and it's like a i don't know a ramp up to a drop or whatever mm. then they'll like rhythmically do the intercuts and the cuts and zooms and stuff and just create it a rhythmic language um mm. with the visuals that goes along yes and complements the audio that's always yeah that's the thing about a music video is you can't get too wanky with the visuals like you can but you it has to serve the rhythm at least right well that's what made me realize that i could I could do so much more just with music because mm. you have so like there's as I had alluded to with the frame rate stuff there's you have your whole dynamic range plus you have the length of time that you have so you can really fill mm. in all of that space with something or just make it so sparse that it seems like that so that space is implied mm. <laughs> for example in the frequency range and just make it feel like you're in space and the scale is just yeah thousands that's... of kilometers but it's all sound that's a wild point that the the dynamic range of music kind of mimics space yeah like it obviously has time covered music yeah 
That's funny. I was listening to Wind of Change by Scorpions today, like just an, an, <laughs> an 80s power ballad. Right. Huge guitar solo out of the bridge and then just total nothing into like a, I think they just redo a verse. But right. it goes from 100 to zero. It's like, fuck, that's still great. Yeah. And you consider like we're only using just when you consider that we're going into virtual spaces visually, we're also going into virtual spaces in terms of audio. Mm -hmm. So just like we've only used the size of screens as our frame for video stuff so far, yeah. we've also only used like a small, a small range of uh, the, the sound field. Mm. Um, we're really only just projecting things in front of our imaginary minds. But when you go 3D, then you have all these new possibilities. It really <laughs> changes the scale by orders of magnitude. Fuck. Yeah, that's a wild thought. Like, is most is most music considered 3D spatially? Um, stereo music is, but it's uh, it's not actually 3D. No, it's like it's 2D, but they use the differences in. Um, dynamics to make it seem like it's 3D. Huh. So it's very much in like a 2D realm, two-dimensional realm. Right. But then if you watch a movie that's mixed in Dolby 7, that's 3D technically. Yeah, for sure. All those new Dolby technologies are all 3D now because of uh, the amount of speakers they're using and stuff. I guess surround sound is also 3D, but they didn't really do too much with music with that. That was like Bjork and... <laughs> orchestras and stuff which mm. still are like all the songs are written for the stage to the audience it's not like you don't have you don't have music that you listen to and you imagine that you're in a circle of people for example mm. or you're in like a crowd of people that doesn't happen the mixing standards are always like you're observing it and it's happening in front of you that's interesting maybe a bit beside you but it's definitely like i don't know 270 degrees or whatever it's mixed from the perception of the of a single point. Yeah. Never thought about that. Because the video editor, hmm, there could be a whole conversation to be had about the art of like editing and perception. Oh yeah, for sure. Or mixing and perception. I'm excited about the possibilities in the future because I feel like, I don't know, maybe people don't have the ability to imagine things like artistic people can. Right. So the media kind of gives other people the opportunity to step into that world a little bit. Yeah. And I feel like we've kind of just been playing with primary colors so far, even though we have advanced so much. <laughs> Especially compared to like psychedelics and shit like that, just the dreams and the type of stuff your mind can come up with. Yeah. That is true. If yeah, I guess this is a, it's a technology just... But the technology is there for the people that know how to manipulate it. Right. But, like, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of why I really don't really put much time into watching much. Although now that I'm looking for inspiration, I might. But, like, the idea that your own mind could conceive of some images com that probably come from your dreams. Yeah. And then working on representing those. Yeah, as soon as I started dream journaling and dreaming regularly, then the wonder of film completely um, like melted away. Right. It, was huh. just, it really didn't hold a candle to... Yeah, it's like I understood that the people who made this likely had a visual, an, an inner visual acuity mm -hmm. 
um, that allowed them to dream this stuff up. So why don't I just develop that in myself? Yeah. And then you don't have to feel content droughts or get <laughs> stuck with certain things that you don't quite understand that right. you just get obsessed with or whatever. Well, yeah. and that's probably what fuels so much of the, the dialectics is, is people who haven't developed an inner acuity of any kind or enough of one and are looking to be fed. Yeah, it's definitely a consumption versus production thing. I don't know what that is, but I know what side of it I'm on, so yeah, I just focus on doing what I need to. That's good. Yeah, well, it's probably one of those things where it's a million, like it is, it is the environmental stuff that fucks your pineal gland, and it is the, the social control through media, like it's a million things. Yeah. You have to wonder if it's by design or if it's just like a perfect uh, storm of building an environment that actually doesn't suit ourselves. Right. Well, it suits something. I, I think a lot of this stuff is just waste. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily, like, it's just things for people to do. Like, it's just right. creating space, which I think has a lot of value. Like, for example, this path is definitely contrived. Mm -hmm. If we waited another thousand years, maybe we'd have, like, deer trails that were perfectly um, aligned to the spirit of the people who live here and shit, but ultimately you have to survive the seasons and all that. Yeah. So you do have to contrive some things and urban plan. Yeah, it's too, that's a good point. It's too easy to just say, well, the culture is weight, is, is, is a loss, but it's like, well, it just, it overproduce. it's, yeah, that's a great point. We've just built an environment where production is much easier. Yeah. So then not all of it's going to be of equal value. And also people are going to take it for granted and not bother to produce for themselves. Ah, that's a good point. Because that contributes to the whole. That's like the best thing you can do as a member of a collective is produce and perpetuate the collective. Otherwise the collective kind of just fucking gobbles you up like that. <laughs> like that little bobcat yeah. corpse device. That's what I think is the myth of um, like the liberal world order or whatever. Right. Is that they're much better at creating those fucking corpse removal <laughs> death devices than they are at anything creative that makes people imagine. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's so funny when I had that guy on the podcast, the other podcast from Barbados, and we were talking about like whoever, the elites or whatever, whoever devised the metaverse, and he said, for people that aren't creative, they sure are good at creating what they create. Right. And that was like two months ago, and I'm still kind of thinking about it, but what you're saying is the same thing. It's like the liberal world order doesn't produce a place for individuality. Yeah, and also the technocrats aren't liberals. Right. Definitionally, or in practice. They just dress up their corporations that have personhood in whatever flag is the most popular at the time to keep people interested. I think that's pretty clear at this point. It has to be. I was talking to a guy who produces TV and he was saying, he's saying, yeah, we got denied funding again because we didn't have enough diversity in our casting. <laughs> and he says, but I said, well, explain to me how that's not racism. He said, I can't. And he's like, and in pitch meetings, I would never say that. Right. But to you privately, I'll say, I can't explain how it's not racism. Right. 
So it's like they really just use, right now they're very, uh, very cunning, the technocrats, in using identity uh, as a form of capital. Social well, capital. They're using the, they're using cowardice as a, mm. as a, the umbrella. Like a lease to, uh, to society, basically. Hmm. It's fucking wild. Nobody said anything, so we're going to continue. Right. Yeah, definitely not a collectivist point of view. <laughs> Nobody said anything, so we're gonna continue. Yep. Where, on the other hand, you get like a uh, Joe Biden who's outright telling you the the gas prices will continue to go up. <laughs> they said, "How much longer? <laughs> as long as it takes." <laughs> Fuck. You can't. You, you can't just. You can, you can gas. You can't just gas prices go up. You can't just. Come on, man. What was the other thing where he said, there's going to be another pandemic? <laughs> what? If you know this. It's also hilarious how everybody called inflation after two years of all that social spending. And they're like, we are baffled by inflation. Yeah. It's like, we are? I'm a dumbass and I understand that. So, Generally. yeah. So then in three years, when you have a conversation with your liberal friends or family members, they'll be like, well, it was reported at the time that nobody knew that this was gonna happen and then their evidence is that article that was a blatant lie at the time right but in the shade in three years can be whatever you want right that's why I, that's why I focus on fiction and art right <laughs> and not politics because all that shit is just garbage it's it is the garbage. garbage of yesterday it's not news <laughs> no it's it's just Exactly the opposite. It's it's Literally old, old yeah. yeah. The Ricky Gervais bit. Oh really? <laughs> I haven't heard much from old Ricky lately. Yeah, the controversy because he put out a special and he said a bunch of things about trans people. Oh. I didn't watch it because it's on Netflix and I pay for Netflix, but only so I can keep access to things that I like. <laughs> I haven't watched anything new on Netflix probably for about five years now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll have Which makes me want to be able to just like buy physical copies again. Just so I could have it and not worry about it. Yeah, that's something they sure took from us. Yeah. <laughs> they told us that the cloud technology was going to let us have everything we want all the time. Except and, liner notes. And it was going to, yeah. <laughs> and it was going to be cheap enough. That's None a, of that is manifested. No, it's horseshit. And, yeah, well, exactly. Now you're paying, you're actually probably paying more in the end for all the bullshit. Yeah, I mean, storage is cheaper, but... That's true, actually. In yeah. order to download enough to get onto the storage, you kind of need a cloud to be the intermediary and hold things and then externally not affect your uh, right. bandwidth while it's putting it into your storage, but that doesn't seem to be a solution that anybody's investing any money in. Ideally, you'd like to have like a triple computer. Like if Starlink was a thing, you'd yes. have your own piece of storage in that. And then that would be like your private uplink and then you'd have like a triangle like set up between storage and your active devices. I could do a lot with that. Well, yeah. I could not move my active projects onto an external hard drive. Um, right, like if you had cloud at the same speed? Yeah. Uh, at 7,200 RPMs or whatever. Just for once have access to everything at once. 
that's the that's the dream they're gonna keep selling yeah that was the that was only possible when I didn't have enough stuff to work on <laughs> it was perfect then right but now I only had five ideas yeah <laughs> now I got a lot of fucking ideas and I need some space it's it's an interesting thought that it's kind of as you you're divorced from your possessions that way like I was talking to a guy about Bitcoin right and he was saying even like a site like Binance they straight up said, you know, if something happens and we get liquidated, that, that, that those bitcoins are actually ours. Yeah. So what? Because it's easier legally. Right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. <laughs> you fucks. Yeah, for sure. And he said, he was telling me about, was like wealth simpler, whoever. Part of their marketing campaign was, you can withdraw your bitcoins. <laughs> that, that was the sell. It's like, what? Yeah. But they're mine. Well, actually, they're not yours at all. With everybody else, they're... They're not yours. Right. And we're not doing anything like that. <laughs> no, no, no. We're simple. Get it? Simple is good. Right. You wealth. like simple? Well. Yeah, you like yeah. You like wealth. It's gonna be like that with fucking AR just just swooping fucking things that float 100%. in and shit. Like oh yeah. Like your average uh like your average Christian just always approaching from the seven o'clock vector or whatever. Have you heard the word? <laughs> Have you accepted the Lord? Sir. Sir. Yeah. Uh, it might get shitty, but right now it's really nice. It's I, like I love this, yeah. So I went the other day down to Rafters Landing just to get some visuals for the news of the boat because it finally moved. Oh, okay. But there were still guys working on it. Is this thing going to sail? I guess it did, but... Oh, that's something. Yeah, that's something, yeah. Maybe there will be a show on it. That would be incredible. But the thing that kind of differentiates in scale for me in terms of music is mm -hmm. whether or not the song works with a low roof or a, like a hall roof. Ah. And personally, I don't think a lot of that like classic rock period stuff worked with, in giant halls because a lot of it was fairly uh, intricate. Guitar stuff. Like it was that. club music at the heart of it. Yeah, I feel like you need to have a variety of, uh, I guess, rhythmic time schemes going on to for it to translate across, like to the back of the hall, and also keep people interested. Because mm. it turns into mush when you're far enough away. It turns into mush. Yeah, well, that's right. But how do you get that clarity? Is that just in the amplification? Yeah, and it's mainly just the choice of song. Hmm. I think that's probably why four on the floor beats kind of took over there. Right. As soon as you start syncopating, it gets harder to keep track and things start like flanging and... <laughs> Interesting. Sounding offbeat and shit like that. You just need to give people the four on the floor so they can just, at least they're there with that. They're <laughs> locked in. Yeah. Certainly outside, it's like right. almost nothing works. <laughs> outside? Yeah, I don't know. Connie had the closest thing I've seen, but then again, I, I don't think playing Chicago House on a mound is the best way <laughs> to fucking translate live. <laughs> is that what he, like at the, at the Sunday sermon? Yeah, it was all like based on Chicago music and they oh, did okay. lots of like gospel versions of club tracks. 
which was cool. Nobody was doing that, but no, that's different. Also, very few people even know the history of house music, so I don't think it went over as well as maybe he thought. <laughs> uh, somebody will appreciate it in 20 years. Yeah, and it was also he was canceled from the left, right? So all the people who should have been supporting that, all just the like the pride people. Yeah, you definitely have been dining out on like the the culture of house music that came from Chicago. Totally. Um, just acted like he didn't exist. And they're very good at like integrating external things on their own agenda. Yeah. This is mine now. And then all of a sudden, like it's their entire life and then all of a sudden they don't care about it anymore. That's when you start thinking that maybe they're NPCs. It's, I mean, it's very possible. It's cliche at this point, but like the turn from Ukraine to reproductive rights last week was like, oh. Right. Okay. <laughs> and both of them being just nothing issues. Well, I mean, yeah. Did you send me that or I just see it where it's like all these like this just continued like actors going to visit Zelensky? Oh yeah. It's like, is this guy like just having a party at this point. That's when I saw was Ben Stiller. Oh yeah. Fuck it. And that gallery of pictures with Ben Stiller and a bunch of other monsters. Yeah, I thought that, and then I realized, like, what was what was the last Ben Stiller thing I watched? And how many did I watch in the first place? <laughs> Five things. Yeah, that guy's not relevant I'm in any way. Feel betrayed or Whoa. enchanted. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, fucking cares. I was never in anything. And if he was, he was always just a pathetic, sniveling wimp. He was a very successful actor, actually. Probably one of the legends of comedy. No! He wrote a lot, especially in the 90s, he wrote a lot of things that people consider now to be, like, the greatest, but he has his own lane, and that's one of those things, like, the 90s people were completely disregarded by the boomers into, like, obscurity but they were literally the entire industry for a while while the boomers were recovering from the 80s <laughs> and certainly like the con like he started in the 80s right and that was the comedy boom i guess so he was just in his long tail of his career in the 90s and he still did very well for himself <laughs> i don't know who you'd put him up against well i can only think of a handful of things he was in that were what you would call blockbusters or whatever Right, but I, I don't care. Way more than any other comedian. <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. Like it's a very small pool. Did he start as an actor? Uh, or was he? I don't know. Was he, he wasn't on SNL, was he? No, but I think no. he wrote for it or something. Oh, he has okay. some kind of like he wrote for a lot of things, and he was one of the ones that got through and got a TV deal and stuff like that, and wrote for other people. So he was very much a favorite of the industry, and for right. whatever that means, I'm supposed to understand that he did something <laughs> so just in case you get into another podcast that's consequential and you're like who the fuck is ben stiller well it's likely he has people who are just like <laughs> devout fans who will well, passive aggressively ruin something for you if they get a chance <laughs> it's that kind of industry well that's true i would just say okay <laughs> prove it if that's the case if dodgeball was so fucking good <laughs> i those those movies raked in money i don't understand why but I think we've said this before on the podcast, like just thinking about what the older people were watching right. when we were kids is so hilarious. So weird. Wow. 
I think it was because it was that last moment where they allowed comedy to like punch down on people. Right. They were getting their last blackface bits out. Exactly. Saying the N-word as much as they could. Caricatures of Chinese people, like just all that stuff. I guess maybe everything like that class people did during the Trump pre uh, presidency really, uh, well for me at least, it ruined anything that they had resembling a legacy. Oh, 100%. I just want nothing to do with, <laughs> with anything. You realize how easy it was for them to do that lowbrow stuff and they made it seem like it was counterculture, but really they were rent-seeking the whole time. Right, and then when, it sh when, when counterculture shifted to being this, this Uyghur liberalism, they very easily went and did that too. And we may see a third <laughs> shift in our lifetime. Well, it's all Uyghur liberalism. It has been from the very beginning. <laughs> Always has been. <laughs> There's no fucking like Nebraskan culture that was making Mandela t-shirts or whatever. <laughs> Came from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. Came from the schools. Yeah. This path is actual asphalt, eh? I never knew that. Is it? Or it's not? Mm, I'm not sure. I think it is. Go up and pay our respects to the bluff. Yeah, sure. We're no longer there. Great not knowing what's going on. So like all of this, uh, well, basically everything from the last time we podcasted has just been so bizarre. <laughs> oh, I know. That you can't, like, even, you can't put labels on it or anything. No, I don't even know what you'd call it. It's been unceasing. It was almost perfect. Like, we did that last one on April 29th. And then it was just like, yeah, literally just two straight months of it. <laughs> People ending themselves. Yeah. And it is the disclosures along the way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Fauci is quadruple vaxxed and still got COVID, took that medication and then <laughs> got it again somehow. Like, yeah. No, no, no. They admitted about all the, like, the hard stuff that was going on. Right. So much. Well, that's one thing. It's like, fuck. <laughs> really, one of like the 50 things that came out within a year of the pandemic happening. <laughs> All that stuff that like the Trump presidency, like Fiore was, was hiding, just like has completely come back now. We're back to like 2014. <laughs> Politics and economics. Right. It really is like a return to the, the Obama years. It's very weird. Well, those years sucked. They were brutal because people believed that the government was their friend. Yeah. And then they just like stood down. Stood while, down. While the government just drone striked <laughs> fucking families. And then just got absolutely taken by a, a series of fucking catastrophes basically yeah 
And like the Obama years when we when it dawned on us like how much fucking slavery was going on around the world. <laughs> to the benefit of the Western countries, of course. And they were like just about to sew up the last of the countries that would be participating in it. Wow. And Trump coming up came in office. <laughs> just delayed it for a few years. And now we're back. Now we're back. I had to take my car in for some work and I got the shuttle to drive me home and it was yeah. just this like kind of old, older middle-aged woman. Just zero regard for other drivers. No, really. It was refreshing <laughs> to see someone with... Like, what was the car? What was the shuttle car? It was a fairly big, like so full-size SUV. Like uh, whatever that Chevy is. And just like crossing solid lines and like cutting off the bus. She's like, we'll get you home. Get you home, honey. Okay. <laughs> former bus driver. I had to have been. And it, <laughs> we're having a good chat. I was just about like bullshit, like going to Mexico for vacation. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, and all these immigrants they're bringing in. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 10 blocks from home and you just said that. Oh, she didn't have a, a nuanced point about the immigrants? Believe it or not. So I tried to, I said, well, fuck, I don't know what I sputtered out, but it was like, well. There's really nothing I can say at that point. <laughs> I mean, you you got to understand that they're the ones who spent the 80s and 90s cringing at the idea of their children having babies. And like just <laughs> root undermining relationships and stuff. That is true, eh? Being hypocritical about religious practices and backing up things that are fairly immoral. Enabling the government to... Um, pick on smaller countries and economies and cultures and stuff like that. And now here they are, old, still working, and their children haven't had children um, and haven't learned how to be stable enough to take care of their parents. So. Well, exactly. And it was, well, my children never listen when I talk anyway, was something she said. <laughs> well, they did for at least 18 years, I guarantee it, because right. there are very few anomalies in the fucking millennial generation. Yeah, they really a great point it was a breakdown of the of the family structure yeah maybe the boomers just shirked us into whatever position we are in now One of the biggest uh, things that I'll never forgive older generations for is not just outright like beating it into me that being unwell is a choice mm. for the most part, and especially suffering, like suffering through things is a choice. So like I'm, I'm down 20 pounds since the last podcast. Mm-hmm. And like I'm sleeping better, right? not snoring anymore. Mm. Um, I don't fucking feel sore joints and shit. And all I did was just not eat more than I thought we were going to go yeah, see. We, okay. Yeah, we can go see. 
I think there's going to be much to see. Uh, that'd be a pretty epic album cover if you could get out to that picnic table. Can <laughs> you see that? Yeah. <laughs> Just like sitting there with a cigarette. <laughs> For what kind of music? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, brown water. <laughs> yeah. That'd be the name of the album. Poo. That's what. <laughs> that's what. Uh, that's why they use all those mandalas and shit in the southeast and South Asian countries. To, distract from everything being brown. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so maybe the counterculturists were really just predicting what was going to happen to us. So well, yeah, it's all been built in their vision. So we got to run it back with tie-dye again. I mean, that might be it. The kitsch, the tie-dye kitsch revolution. Yeah, maybe. Could be. Hi. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying you, you, yeah, you lost a bunch of weight and are reaping the benefits. Yeah, that's about it. There's not too much to it. But in terms of people saying that suffering was a choice, it's like you felt like you were suffering and just decided to not? Or No, I saw people it. suffering and they oh. were like enjoying things to cover up the suffering. Uh, yeah. I mean, anybody can do, a, do it and, that, and like they're welcome to it, but it doesn't help anything. And certainly the end of life gets really bad when really <laughs> you can't bad. cover up the, the suffering with good things anymore. Right. And they just put you on a drip of opiates and then you die. Right. That's like, that's just so fucking grim. It's like the final cover up. Yeah. <laughs> the poppy seeds. You settle in for the long sleep and then the machine comes and slurps you up. <laughs> That's funny. Next thing you know, you're doing the upside down worm at the conveyor belt. Scotty too hotty. <laughs> Scotty too shitty. We will have to show that clip to Keith because I guarantee it'll inform every joke we talk about tomorrow. <laughs> what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> well, yeah, it'll come up. That, like, I was legitimately shocked by that. Oh. <laughs> that was something I had never considered. I know, it's like you thought, like, welding people in their houses or like the drone spraying poison yeah it's like well i could i could accept that but this is like we're planning to have to scoop bodies off the street right <laughs> people don't typically die in the street like in large numbers no they don't <laughs> well yeah like outside of africa i guess yeah. i don't know if you saw the shit going on in africa i don't know that's not great what like what There's about like hundreds of uh of African people getting shot somewhere in uh, North Africa. God damn. Just a, just a back alley full of bodies. That's fucked. Well, that might be where they roll out the first gen of those. Uh, yeah, maybe. Whatever the hell might bite. That might be why everybody talks about Ukraine because nothing's going on and you can just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. Can't really talk too much about dead bodies. Well, the women in Ukraine. Unless you're super religious and then you can go on and on with the God bless you and bless their souls. <laughs> then you can work your way into dealing with it, but if yep. you are godless heathens. What are you going to talk about? Yeah. Nothing. 
what you're gonna do, you're gonna cringe at it, and then you're gonna move on to what pleases you. You're gonna cringe at it. Yikes. I thought that guy was gonna wipe out when I heard the mist. <laughs> yeah. I find it funny how this country is so gun averse, but everybody's so paranoid about personal safety. <laughs> well, you'd be paranoid about personal safety if you were farming it out to somebody else too. Yeah. Like you see like the calculation in your mind of how long it would take emergency services to get here. <laughs> and all they have to do is take a first aid course and realize they're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That is something I've heard. Well, you know how long it would take the ambulance to get here if the, if the construction was like this? Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like that line from Seinfeld where Kramer's like, maybe you shouldn't have shoved a bacon cheese omelet into your mouth every day for the last 20 years. Yeah. It's like it's brutal, but. I thought you were going to bring up the other Kramer bit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, I'm not. I'm not into that. I wouldn't mind running it back. You want to run it back? On uh, certain kinds of capital punishment. <laughs> Sticking a fork in someone's ass? I just want to take the, the first example, or the first opportunity I can after the dedicated month to, to say that sometimes trees are beautiful for other reasons, and <laughs> certain types of people maybe should be visiting those trees <laughs> involuntarily. <laughs> In the kind of ISIS kind of way. Hey, and by that I mean birthing Osiris, the mm -hmm. the society in which we live in, is represented by the sun that is all of us. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying no. I'm not saying no. Hey, they can make rainbow rope. <laughs> For sure the most rowdy thing that's ever been said on this podcast <laughs> in the earshot of someone else. For sure. They can make rainbow rope. I mean, it is, like that's literally what those groups are doing right now. Um, they're like getting back at the whatever, I don't know what the leaders were who were taking advantage of the boys. Mm. You, think, you think they're just stringing up just a, the local theater <laughs> company leader who just <laughs> helped children and loved productions and black box theater no it was the people who were like greasing up their thighs when they were 10 years old <laughs> the people who were strung up on trees 100 <laughs> percent. you gotta wonder where that comes from but it's, it's just got to come down through the ages i guess I don't think I ever stopped. Hmm. Hi. You were really cold. No, I don't think it ever stopped. Yeah, remember that essay about the gay germ? Yeah. Like the pedo germ must be a similar. It's the exact same thing. Same thing. 
it was implied in the thing that it was, um, that that's what was going on. That's how it was introduced and passed along, and then people weren't talking about it. Right. So they rebranded. No, they didn't. <laughs> They're doing the okay. exact same thing. <laughs> well, publicly they rebranded. <laughs> like the outward face of the brand. No, it's... You don't think? No. I don't think the flag really means that much. I think the actions do. I don't think they've changed. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely there's... They're displaying it more, but what they're doing hasn't changed. And the brand of it right. hasn't changed. It's not like at one time they were all about... Um, well, what could they be? What could they be about? Perpetuating the family and the values of the countries they're in. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is like, what are they about? Is they just they just want to fuck children? Like, is that it? Is, no, it's just like general. I think just obsession with the sexual nature of humanity and mm. wanting control over other people and their perception of it and how they do it and how they label it. Right, because it does come from a place of nihilism, doesn't it? So maybe there really is no ultimate aim. It's just that ongoing, in-the-moment control. Yeah, it's like it's for its own sake. Right. Perpetuates itself. Just like any of the Uyghur counterculture stuff. It wasn't going to stop if they all just, if it just dawned on them that the consequence of what they were doing was they were just preying on um, young children using their fame. Right. Or that the, I guess the... Industri the industrial format of it mm -hmm. was uh, uh, was uh, bringing it to the masses, so to speak, and, and in turn it was re it was repeatedly cycling those same like profiles back at them. If they knew that that was happening, it wasn't like they were gonna make a different kind of music that <laughs> targeted a different kind of people. They just went with what worked. And then didn't stop when they realized what worked was horrible. <laughs> so do you think it's the same cowardice that is at the heart of all that? Like people are easily manipulable? Manipulable? No, as I said, I don't think it's changed throughout time. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just a part of society. And uh, yeah, the, the industry and humankind's ingenuity. Mm -hmm is fully in control of whether or not you get more or less of that and that's that has to do with priorities and stuff like that yeah i guess that makes sense i mean it does make sense it's it's the mo it's the strongest drive more or less that we're equipped with so you can understand why there'd be a cult of people who stop there yeah and i think what the media and stuff has been doing is obfuscating that it's just a type of person um right and at times seemingly trying to promote those types of things in order to like flush out different kinds of people like mm. the bad people that the law can prosecute but then that just gets used <laughs> in a different way as well so it just turns into a whole morally bankrupt thing right that is the grandest form of shirk is the way the media is complicit in what it ultimately is yeah i think the epstein trial was the best example of it because nobody learned anything no, exactly. We were confronted with exactly what it was going to be, with what it is. Yeah. And they just said, wow. It's the absolute worst case scenario. Mm-hmm.
and poor R. Kelly got 30 years. <laughs> well, he's a perfect example well, of it. He's like, he's, he's a, a victim of it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say R. Kelly is a victim in this case? In some sense, he is. Yeah, well, he's spoken about how his aunt had, like, molested him when he was a kid. Right. Um, and certainly when you learn those things at a certain age, it's really the only thing that works. The way you're introduced to things is very important. Mm -hmm. They try to make it seem like it isn't while pushing you to only use what they do or what they promote. And in turn, give that to your children. Right. And yeah, that, that's a whole other conversation that Minister Jaff can do better <laughs> about what's going on with uh, incest and poorer communities. Mm. It's certainly happening, of course, there's more white people, so to speak, but they're not ready for any kind of conversation. <laughs> and I really think it's going to be a dark time when people realize just how bad it is for them.